If you would open your Bible to the book of Deuteronomy. I don't know about you, Deuteronomy is changing my life. Uh, that's not an overstatement. Deuteronomy is changing my life. God is speaking to me in ways that uh, he's calling me to come to the front uh, and, and change some things that have been broken for a long time. Uh, it started really at the East Coast Passes Conference, even a little before that. I, I have said in the past, I'm not able to diagnose myself any more than I'm able to drill my own teeth. Uh, I, I, just, I, I, I self-examine, and some things are obvious, you know, like the things that are obvious to you, but sometimes it's not. God catches me by surprise, and he puts his finger on an area in my life. He says, we need to work on this, and that's what happened at the East Coast Passes Conference, and it's kind of been, and so I've been, like, literally, you know, changing some things, and so, like, uh, and I think God wants that for his, his, his people. I think he wants us to inherit our promised land. I think it's a, it's a new day, and I think that's what Deuteronomy is all about, the way I, my take on it. So any further ado, let's pray and let's jump right in. We're not going to do all of chapter 4. We're just going to do the first 40 verses. Last week I did two chapters. I know, I know, right? It's not going to measure out evenly. It's just, it just doesn't, I don't know. Father, as we look into your word, we take it oh so seriously. It's your word. It's your very word. It's the things that you would have us know. And here we are, Lord, poised with an open Bible, a Bible app on our laps in front of us, waiting to hear from your spirit, to tell us the things that, Lord, if without your word, I mean, what have we got? We're just like everybody else. We're just like all the nations of the earth, clueless and the objects of your wrath and have no uh, wherewithal in ourselves to change. But Lord, you can speak to us and we, could, we would hearken, Lord, and we would listen to what you have to say in a way that would help us to grow, Lord, and that would bless you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, therefore, hearken, O Israel. Israel, those ruled by God, right? That's what it means. Uh, hearken isn't listen, open your ears. It's it's got the idea of obedience attached to it. It's a different word. Lean into. Okay, hearken that you might do. And it's going to be all through here. So I must, I'm just going to introduce that right, at, right off the bat. Because um, I think some of us, sometimes, no one here, no one here, of course, but other churches. I went to church. I checked off the box. Uh, I, I test people sometimes. So what did your pastor, uh, if I know they went to church, I ask them, you know, on a Monday morning, I'll say like, so you go to church? And, oh yeah, so what did your pastor preach on? Um, um, I, it was something about like, um, I don't know, like loving us. I don't remember, you know, and I'm thinking like, did you really hearken, you know, did you really get it? No, we hear, I mean, I know you guys are very, very serious about receiving the word, but sometimes that would happen. Okay, uh, I'll admit it, sometimes it happens to me. Check the box. I showed up. I did my spiritual duty for the week. Uh, not in teaching. You can't do that. You can't do that. You can't check out and teach. It's, it's not even possible, okay? Uh, and I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't. But I've been to church before when I was regularly attending, and it's just like, and somebody asked me money, what do you preach on? I don't know. Something. I think he was in, I don't know, the Bible somewhere. No, no, this is different. This is like, have your heart right, ready to receive. Hearken unto the statutes and unto the judgments which I teach you for to do them, that ye may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord your God 
which the Lord God of your fathers giveth you. Okay, we have statutes and we have judgments. What's the difference? Statutes are the ceremonial part of the law, the, 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 the worship part, the offering part. Are you going to need that in the promised land? Well, you're going to need, you're going to need sacrifice. We don't slaughter lambs. The Lamb of God has been slaughtered on our behalf. So we don't have any worship to offer? Oh, that's silly. Are you going to need that in your promised land? Oh, you're going to need that. Uh, and the um, parts here where it says judgments, this is the part where like a judge sits over like between two parties and ciphers through whose ox was gored. You know, the person loaned you, gave you this stuff and they went away and you're supposed to watch it and it got stolen and all that stuff that we go through in the law, you know, that, are you going to need that in the promised land? We're still going to have relationships. Yeah, we're still going to, you remember the, it, the, the whole law boils down to love God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and strength, love your neighbor as yourself. And if you, when you inherit your promised land, you still going to have relationships. We're still going to need to know how to do those right. I'll tell you, by the way, just here's the shorthand. You can figure out oxes and gourd, and if he, you should have penned them up and love. Okay, that's what you need to know. And you won't ever be too far from wrong if you, you know, love your neighbor like the way you love yourself. So you notice he doesn't say commandments. Do you need commandments in the promised land? You, they won't get you into the promised land. You obeying the Sabbath, will not in, you will not inherit your inheritance. You will not live the spirit-filled life. Now am I saying get rid of commandments? Oh, please, please. No. We're not, we're not supposed to steal. But you not stealing will not lead to a spirit-filled life. Don't steal! I mean, I, can I say it any plainer than that? But that's, I think a lot of Christians settle with like, you know, I don't, and we look, check off all our don'ts. Do we have a spirit-filled life? Well, I didn't steal this week. You, you understand. I, 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 I read that and I thought, well, this is stark. There's no, and keep my commandments. Now, there's a place where he calls us to keep his commandments, but it's not in, because here he's saying that ye may live and go in and possess your land. And this is what we're talking about. Going into the promised land, possessing our possessions, living, the, as I would call it, the victorious Christian life or the spirit-filled life. There's a lot of ways to say it. They're not mutually exclusive. If you're walking in victory, you're living a spirit-filled life. You're not going to do it in the power of your flesh. I think, do I have to say this each and every time, you know, give you the long version, you understand what I'm saying, that we may go in and possess the land. The Lord, the God of your fathers, giveth you. You shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall you diminish aught from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. Is that important? It's very important. Is very important. The Pharisees, they were adders. Nasty snakes adders, well, that too. But they were, they were people who added into the Word of God. And the Sadducees were those who were subtracting from the Word of God. Which one would you, would you rather go off the road to the right or to the left? Well, can I stay right on the road? Yes, that's an option too. And that's the one that we would select. Uh, so I had a funeral this week, as a lot of you, most all of you know. And uh, so we... Um, had dinner, we had some nuns over. One of them happens to be my niece, and she called and said, can we have dinner uh, at your house? And yes, yes, you can. So she brought her nun friend, because they go, 
in pairs everywhere. I, that's how they operate. And, that, and that's fine. And they, they were entirely gracious. It was, it was fine. Everything went good. Uh, so Sue's made Cobb salad because we love that. Because most people would. And it was delightful. It was good. And she gave them like a little hair when, as you go. And couldn't eat it. Uh, th it was Thursday night. Couldn't eat it Friday because it had chicken and it had bacon. But Saturday they were going to indulge again. And that was okay because you can't eat meat on Friday. Now where in the Bible does it say that? So it's kind of like a, oh, so if I become a Christian, does that mean I can't, wait a second, this is getting complicated. I got to, don't add, don't add. So I saw a lot of adding, you know, they had a, you know, prayer by the graveside and they did a, a pot of the rosary and, you know, and even when I asked the blessing at the meal, you notice they did this, oh, so if I'm a Christian, I got to, don't add. It's, God's word is complete. You know, we, we fought through all these things. It's, it's a different day. You know, we had that rock music debate back along, like, you can't be listening to that devil music. And they were talking about, like, Maranatha music back in the day when they were, oh, you can't listen. Anything that wasn't, like, petrified and, you know, decades and decades and decades old was suspect you know and we had those battles you remember the devil cards battle we don't fight those battles anymore we have different ways people add and the pharisees you know we talked about this you couldn't take a bath on the sabbath because you could spill water on the floor and you'd be washing the floor now we take showers and that's okay as long as you step onto a bath mat because that soaks up all your water but if you don't and you step on the floor you'd be you'd be you know, you'd want to wipe all that water off the floor and then be washing the floor. So it's okay to take a shower as long as the bath mat involved, okay? And just this is something you ought, ought to be able to sort out in your mind. Listen, it's adding. It's all stupid. You think when God was saying, keep the Sabbath holy, he was saying, don't take a bath? You really think so? Because I, I don't. And subtracting is its own problem. You know, we just want to take it. Is any, uh, we do that as Christians. Please don't. Um, well, I believe in this and this and this and this. Except my own sin. Uh, it's not really sin. It's kind of, and we just want to glaze over and, and gloss over. And it's not really a, not even, it's not even worth mentioning. It's just such a little non-important thing. So don't add, don't subtract. It's not the only place in the Bible that says that. If you turn to the book of the last book in the Bible, you mean the book of Maps? No, before that. Revelation. Chapter 22, last admonition in the book. Verse 18 for I, of chapter 22, Revelation chapter 22, verse 18, for I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. If any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. Pretty serious stuff. You're saying, when well, you're talking about revelation, you're talking about the Bible. Listen, it sounds to me both. If any man shall add unto these things... God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. If any man shall take away the words of the, of the book of this prophecy. It seems like he has you coming and going. Don't add to the Bible. 
Don't add, don't subtract. It's what God wants us to know. You, so back in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 4, you shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall you diminish aught from it. It's confusing and it's wrong, and you're saying God missed a part. Let me, add, let me fix that for him. Oh, God added an extra part. We don't really need to know or do or observe this. Let's get rid of that. It's kind of, it's not something that we really want to deal with, so let's, let's subtract that. No, don't do either one. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did because of Baal Peor. For all the men that follow Baal Peor, the Lord thy God hath destroyed them from among you. What happened? It was, it's Balaam. He couldn't curse the Israelites, so he told Balak, he said, well, get them to get from, out from under God's blessing with disobedience. Have your Moabite women go down to, hey, you uh, Israelite uh, big boy, why don't you come on over and worship our gods? It had to do with sex, and it was... It had to do with false worship. And God judged severely. The Lord thy God hath destroyed them from among you. And we learn these things so that we don't partake in them. But ye that did cleave unto the Lord your God are alive, every one of you this day. Now, now don't go past what this is saying. Sin, destruction, and death, and mayhem, and carnage. Obedience, you're alive. And we're going to see that. Look at, look at the chapter, uh, verse 40. Thou shalt keep therefore the statutes and his commandments which I command thee this day, that it may go well with thee and with thy children after thee, that thou mayest prolong thy days upon the earth, which the Lord thy God giveth thee forever. Obedience equals blessing and longevity. Um, I did I just say, you die young, you're a sinner? I did not. I did say, Obeying God promotes longevity. You know, born-again Christians live an average of 10 years longer than everyone else. Imagine my surprise. You generally don't smoke. You generally don't drink. You generally don't have indiscriminate sex with a multiplicity of partners. And that leads to longevity. Let's go back. You know, uh, sin, choose to sin, choose to suffer, and sometimes destruction and but you did cleave unto the Lord, and you're alive. Behold, I have taught you statutes and judgments. That's the same as verse 1. Even as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should do so in the land where you go to possess it. You're going to need no worship, and you're going to need no relationships in the promised land, your promised land. Keep therefore, and do them. For this is your wisdom. Now, he just gave you a, a definition of wisdom in the Bible. Wis worldly wisdom is different. Don't, biblical wisdom is this. Taking scripture, putting it in here, and in here, and living it out. Taking, okay, what's the situation? What does scripture say about it? Well, we just had a pandemic. We're still in the throes of the pandemic, according to some people. What does the scripture have to say about it? Well, Psalm 91 is a good example. Do you know Psalm 91? That's your homework. You have to read that. Okay, have it by Wednesday night. Have it memorized. No, <laughs> don't have it memorized, but it has a lot to say about that. Uh, how about uh, Second uh, Chronicles? We can go there. Second Chronicles chapter 7. We're taking a situation and we're applying the Word of God to it. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse four, 14. 
Okay, in chapter 6, chapter 7, verse 14, If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. If you do four things, God will do three. Now we know how, I've said this all the time, we know how to humble ourselves. I mean, we really do. I think kneeling is, helps. It, it's, it's, you, can, you can stand up and kneel in your heart. You can kneel down and be proud and arrogant in your heart. But I think if, if kneeling reflects your attitude towards God, you're sovereign, I'm so not. Um, we know how to humble ourselves and pray. We know how to pray and seek my face. And we know how to seek the face of God and turn from their wicked ways. And we know how to turn from our wicked ways. The problem is we generally don't. I looked through the pandemic and I didn't see anyone repenting. I mean, hardly. I mean, I saw, I see you and I see sometimes great things that make my heart very glad. And I see some people involved in the same old, same old, same old, same old sin. And it's just like, oh God. Deliver them from that. Show them the importance of, of taking your strength and applying it to their situation, overcoming what the, what the problem is. There's, there's, there's nothing that makes my soul sadder than that. And there's nothing that makes my soul happier than seeing somebody live out the Word of God in a genuine way and start possessing their possessions, as it were. Start living their a victorious life. Um, why didn't um, this happen? We, we could have been done the. We could have been done the whole pandemic in a week. Say not really, Adam. This has nothing to do with pandemics. Excuse me. Did you read verse thirteen? And if I shut up heaven, there be no rain. If I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, pestilence. Read plague. Read coronavirus, for instance. He's saying it's not really saying, it's exactly saying that. If I send coronavirus or plague or in the King James pestilence, but if my people which are called by my name, we're not even talking about the unbelievers, we're talking about the believers. If my people which are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I'll hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sin because I think that's what comes down to it all the time. And I will heal their land. God wasn't obliged to heal our land or to deliver us or anything. Why? Because we didn't keep our part. Wisdom is seeing what's going on and applying that to our situation. That's wisdom. That's a wisdom in a nutshell. The world doesn't have it. The world's not saying, okay, this happened. Gee, what does the Bible have to say about that? Well, I'm going to take these verses. I'm going to make them my own. I'm going to live them out in such a way that it's going to be they never do that. They're too busy mocking the Bible and calling it archaic and don't, they don't believe it's God's word. I can prove to you it's God's word. Live it out. I can prove salvation. That's easy. Get saved. Then you'll know and you say, oh, it's so God's word. And the people who haven't discovered that yet are the people still on the outside looking in. Keep therefore and do them. This is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations which shall hear all these statutes and say, 
Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. That's what God wants. God wants us to look, the nations to look at us and say, wow, they're living a totally different life. Now, it's funny to me because a lot of Christians are trying to live that, they're trying to live exactly like the world. They're trying to be as close to the world as possible. You know, there's Christian nightclubs. We have Christian entertainment. We have Christian movies. We have Christian everything that the world has. We want a, a Christian version of that. I'm not saying that in and of itself is a bad thing. I look at like, Double Wards, I've never watched the Double Wards. And I, wh- how are they different from the Grammys? The songs are basically some, hopefully better. <laughs> Why are we self-congratulating and self-promoting and self-gloss? It's just like, it's icky is what it is. It's icky. There's a scriptural word for you, icky. I hope you guys know it's not a, really a scriptural word. This is a great nation. It's wise and understanding. And, and, and people want, God wants the heathen to say, listen, listen, listen. Your marriage. I want the, the unbelievers to say, man, they're doing it right. But if we're divorcing at the same rate they are, are we? Nah, I don't really think so. I don't really think so. Most people who have, get divorced in both Christianity and outside of Christianity, of divorcing for non-biblical reasons, they just stuck it out and got through that hard patch and come out the other side fine and stronger, most times. Now, there are Christian reasons to get divorced. I'm not trying to guilt anybody or anything like that, okay? And even if you're divorced for non-Christian reason, I'm not, I'm not trying to guilt anyone. That's not what I'm talking about. But God wants us to live in such a way that everyone says, man, they're doing it right. They're doing life right. For what nation is there so great who, who hath God so nigh unto them as the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon him for? Listen, he's going to talk about this a little later on, and I'll talk about this a little later on, but God's near. That's not a pagan idea. A pagan idea is God's one. He's far away and he's always bugged. And I got to do something extraordinary, like like think about the the, the prophets of Baal at uh, Mount uh, Carmel. Cut myself and shout and dance and carry on. And if if God sees me with blood flowing all out of me, maybe maybe He'll notice then. Isn't that a strange idea? Uh, and he's always bugged. He's always mad. That's why we have to throw virgins into a volcano and children were thrown into the Ganges River. In Canaan, they buried their children in the walls of their houses as they built them some, to, to appease the angry gods. Our God's not like that. He, ne- he said, it never came into my mind, child sacrifice. I never thought of that even for a moment, even ever. No, I'm, I'm near you. Hey, hey, draw near to me. I'll draw near to you. If you search for me, all, all your heart, I'll be found of you. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. I, I'm meek. I'm lowly of heart. You shall find rest under your souls. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Look at that's his invitation, his gracious invitation to come unto him. Our God is accessible. And I see in the in Revelation, in the in the New Jerusalem, when he has it all his way, 
God will wipe every tear from their eye. Where is he? He's handy. He's at arm's length where he can do that. He's accessible. I will be their God. They shall be my people. He's not some far away. And I got to tell you something. If God's far away this morning from you, who moved? He, he, he's very accessible. He wants you to, and if your sin has eaten you up and you're very drawn away by the things of the world, I'm giving you uh, a repentatunity, okay? You can put it together. You'll figure it out. Yeah, I just coined that. Anyway. What nation is there so great who hath God so nigh unto them? As the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon him for. And by the way, you're going to possess your possessions and not be close to God? You're going to live a victorious Christian life without God in your life? That's, that's silly on the face of it. Let's keep moving. What nation is so great that hath statutes and judgments so righteous as all this law, which I set before you this day? Only take heed yourself... Uh, and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, lest thy, they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life. But teach them to thy sons and to thy sons' sons. Okay, don't forget. Uh, you can't forget God, but you can lay him aside. You can't forget. Hey, listen, listen. Hey, you think I wake up a Sunday morning, hey, some we used to go Sunday, I don't remember. Some, I don't. You can't. But you can choose to ignore these things, or you could just let them slip away and atrophy. You can ignore the things of the Lord. Um, the wickedest king of the southern kingdom of Judah was named Manasseh. His name means forgetting. Boy, did he ever. He just turned away from the things of the Lord. What happened? Horrible, wicked, excruciatingly wicked things in his... Like I said, the, the worst king ever. Take heed. You need to take heed, and there needs to be diligence about this. Keeping, look, heed, keep, diligent. This takes a little energy. It's, but that's, that's what God wants. Especially the day that thou stoodest before the Lord thy God in Horeb. When the Lord said unto me, Gather me the people together, and I will make them hear my words, that they may learn to fear me all the days that they shall live upon the earth, that they shall teach their children. Horeb is Sinai, okay? We've learned that in the past. Uh, so that they may learn to fear me. Uh, is fear uh, of God, is that still a thing? Yeah, it still is. Listen, I had a dad who I loved and feared, okay? And if dad does dad right here on Father's Day, your children both love you and fear you. Now, when it comes to like, okay, my son's 41. Does he fear me? Not so much, you know what I mean? If push comes to shove, he's going to make me eat my vegetables and I'm not going to send him to his room or anything else. Because that, 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 but when he was a little kid and I said, you good to do this and he did it because there was, there was fear involved. I totally understand that, that you can both fear and love. It's, it's not like, you know, fear such that we, we run away. It's fear that I don't want to, I don't want to disappoint. I don't want to, you know, ignore. I understand that he's given us uh, statutes and judgments so that we can do them and things will go better for us. So, um, and that you may teach your children 
And ye came near and stood unto the mountain, and the mountain burned with fire into the midst of, uh, of heaven with darkness, clouds, and thick darkness. And the Lord spake unto you out of the midst of the fire. You heard the voice of the words, but saw no similitude, only you heard a voice. Is that important? He's going to bring it up later, and we'll bring it up later, okay? I don't want to talk about it here, because I'll talk about it twice. And he declared unto you his covenant, which he's commanded you to perform even ten commandments, and he wrote them upon two tables of stone. And the Lord commanded me at that time to teach you statutes and judgments that you might do them in the land where ye go over to possess it. Take ye therefore good heed unto yourselves, for ye saw no manner of similitude on that day that the Lord spake unto you in Horeb out of the midst of the fire. Now he's going to talk about images and false gods. And the point is, you saw no similitude. He, he didn't come down in a pre-incarnate manifestation of a man. He wasn't a phoenix bird rising from the ashes. He wasn't a snake on a, on a pole. He wasn't anything. He was a lightning and fire and go ahead and build a... And he was light. And he was thick clouds and darkness. All those things all at once. Uh, go ahead and build a, 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 you know, God is light and him is no darkness at all. Go ahead and build a, a, an idol of light. There was no similitude. There was nothing to, because our hearts are idolatrous. Take ye heed therefore, good, uh, um, take good heed, for ye saw no man of similitude on the day. Lest ye, verse 16, lest ye corrupt yourselves and make you a graven image, the similitude of any figure, the likeness of male or female, the likeness of any beast that is on the earth, the likeness of any winged fowl that flieth in the air, the likeness of anything that creepeth on the ground, the likeness of any fish that is in the waters beneath the earth. Don't do that. Now, this isn't a prohibition against art. Please, okay? Uh, and I don't think that's the issue. It is a prohibition against worshiping Images. Um, well, I don't. I wouldn't make a little statuette and bow down and worship it. And thou art my God. This day I have made thee. I'm. I'm way above that. Probably true. Probably true. But we we ha we make we make. I talk to people about God and they'll say, "Well, I believe God is like," and they will say something about what He's not like at all. What they've done is they've made an image. Where does image come from? Imagination. They've imagined a God. Well, I think God is usually a benevolent grampy. If he's, in the, he's up there in the sky, and no matter what we do, it's fine. It's fine. Everything we do is just okay. Benevolent grampy. We've made an image. And we worship that image. In Isaiah, it talks about like the guy who goes out into the forest and he cuts down a log, a tree, right? And part of it, he, he uh, burns it in the, in the fire and he's like, whew, it's warming me. And another part he takes and he bakes his bread. And another part he carves into an image. And he bows down, thou art my God, save me. <laughs> <laughs> how does the God that you create save you? Isaiah laughs. He has ears, but he can't hear. 
He's got feet, but he can't go. He's got eyes, but he can't see. He can't save you. And those who worship them are like them. So we've imagined a God. We've created a God. And then we turn around and say, save me. Um, he can't. A God that you created, even out of your own imagination. You don't have to use a block of wood. I think we all understand that. The God you invented can't save squat. Just want you to know. So because we think we're not idol worshipers. Oh, aren't we? I think the big worship now is Gaia worship. Save planet Earth at all costs. Um, love your mother. We read we, on a bumper stick or something like this. Should we be good stewards? The best. Should we worship the Earth? Please. It's just another form of idolatry. Don't, and goes on to say, the likeness of anything, okay? Lest thou lift up thine eyes unto heaven, and when the, thou seest the sun, the moon, the stars, even all the hosts of heaven, shouldst be driven to worship them and serve them, which the Lord thy God hath divided unto all nations under the whole heaven. Um, the zodiac, uh, this isn't a thing, it used to be more of a thing, but um, it, it, God's saying don't. It's, it's not, they're not objects of worship either. But the Lord has taken you and brought you forth out of, and by the way, do you remember, Suze, that was like a big thing. Even in like church circles, it was kind of like a, you know, it was, I don't know, it was just a thing. Um, every generation fights its own battles, and the, the battles we've fought as young Christians, and won by and large, they'll, they'll come around again, but right now it's not the biggest it's not like Zodiac, like people take that real seriously. But there was a time here in America when people did, not all that many decades ago. But the Lord hath taken you and brought you forth out of the iron furnace, even out of Egypt, to be unto him a people of inheritance as you are this day. Furthermore, the Lord was angry with me for your sakes and swear that I should not go over Jordan and that I should not go in unto the good land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. But I must die in this land. I must not go over Jordan. But ye shall go over and possess that good land. Take heed unto yourselves, lest ye forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you, and make you a graven image or the likeness of anything which the Lord thy God hath forbidden thee. For the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. Does that verse upset you? God is a consuming fire. The Bible says so. I didn't say so. I understand it. He's a jealous God. I'm a jealous husband. <laughs> if, if I didn't love her, I wouldn't be jealous. Figure it out. There's a part in her life where only I should be. And I'm very jealous of that part. i walking down the street with her, and guy's driving by, and they take the glass down, look over, sunglass, look over them, scope her out. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? She's years old, and uh, she's only to be a mother. I can't even, like, uh, it, it's, it's so, but you can't beat up people for what they think and stuff like that. But I'm a little, I get that bothers me. Like, you know, when you're in love with a beautiful woman, that song says, I, I get it, I get it, I understand. But, but, this, but she doesn't do anything to, uh, if she was, like, flirting with everybody, I'd be insanely jealous. I'd just, uh, you know, um, I, I get jealousy. I get, I get jealousy. 
And the fact that God loves us and he wants to be our God exclusively, I understand that. He's a jealous God. He's a consuming fire. Boy, that's scary. Not really. I'll show you why. But I'm going to leave it hanging there for a second, okay? Thy Lord, thy God is a consuming fire. And he's, and he's saying, don't mess with idols in, in this context. When thou shalt beget children and children's children, you shall remain long in the land. You shall corrupt yourselves and make a graven image of the likeness of anything and shall do evil in the sight of the Lord thy God to provoke him to anger. I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day that you shall soon utterly perish from off the land whereunto ye go over Jordan to possess it. You shall not prolong your days upon it, but shall utterly be destroyed. The Lord shall scatter you among the nations, and you shall be left few in number among the heathen, whither the Lord shall lead you. And you shall serve gods, the work of men's hands, wooden stone, which neither see nor hear nor, smell, nor eat nor smell, don't, don't mess with idols. You want idols, I'll give you idols. He takes them out of Egypt, out of the land of idols. And he becomes their God. And he's near to them. And he speaks to them. And he gives them his law, his, the, the statutes, the judgments. And he's loving and he's kind and he's good and he's blessing. Don't go over there and worship other idols. Why? Because Listen, you become like the God you worship. I already told you, they were burying their children in the wall, plastering children in the walls of the houses. You think that's okay? Because I'm here to tell you, it's not okay. If you become like that angry, crazy God, it's not a good thing. There are people who think it's okay to kill on behalf of their God. There are terror. Let's do terror on behalf of our God. Let's knock down buildings. Now you're going to say, well, listen, you're talking about uh, Muslims. The vast majority of Muslims are peaceful people and they would never think of tearing down buildings with innocent civilians in them. I agree. But there are some, and I'm only talking about the some. When you worship Falsely, you become like the God you worship. It just happens. And God says, I don't want that to happen to you. They, you know the history of Israel. They wouldn't keep this command. So God says, you want idols? You want idols? And he would send them into Babylon until they had a belly full of idols. And it was a very, very idolatrous land. And by the way, it cured them, I think, in perpetuity. Because I don't think when they came back from uh, into the promised land after 70 years, I don't think they took any idols with them. In Jesus' time, I don't think idol, idolatry was a big thing. I think it's the heart of all the things that we do wrong. Um, many of the things we do wrong. Um, drugs and alcohol. Getting high is more important to me than God. Is it an idol? You tell me. Um, pornography. I know God says about the human body and about sex and about, you know, uh, faithfulness to a spouse. I know all that stuff. But I, boy, I really enjoy it, so I don't really care what God says. What am I saying? Sex is more important than God. Is it an idol? You judge for yourself. 
I, I think a lot of things that we have problems with aren't sin problems. They're, they're idle problems. They're, they're, our heart isn't right before God. Very often. Where am I? Uh, I? Yeah, I call heaven and earth. And the Lord shall scatter you among the nations. Verse 28, and you're going to serve God's work of men's hands. Verse 29, but if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him. Wait, what? I made my bed, now I'm lying in it. And God says, yeah, 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 I get all that. But if you, from there, where you are, if you shall seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him. If thou seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul, when thou art in tribulation and all these things that come upon thee, even in the latter days, this is forever, even in the end of time, if thou shalt turn to the Lord thy God and shalt be obedient unto his voice, for the Lord thy God is a merciful God, he will not forsake thee, neither destroy thee, nor forget the covenant of thy fathers which he swear unto them. Wait, what? Is he a consuming fire? Is he a merciful God? Yes. Yes. I'm not going to worship him. I, I, I did it one time. Now I'm going to turn from him. I'm going I'm to follow my own ways because I'm too cool for school and I know what's right and I know what's wrong and I'm going to do things my own way. And things go sideways as things will. And he's consuming fire and he brings down havoc on me. Why? Because we looked at that Wednesday night. God, if you're really his son, he chastises us. He, he, we've been behind the woodshed with God. He, he knows how to um, <clears throat> change our lives in such and such a way. He knows how to work in our lives to bring about obedience. It's a good thing. You don't do that with your kids. You don't teach them no at a young age. Their parole officer will teach them no. You, you know, it's, somebody's going to have to teach them how, what no means. It's incumbent upon the parent to set up guidelines. Well, our God, is, he's a good, good father. And he sets up guidelines for us. So um, he's a consuming fire, right? Well, I, I, I turn and I repent. Lord, I'm, I messed up my life. I'm sorry. I'm Hey, 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 where were you before? Uh, I told you not to do that. Now, you're on your... Not our God. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Where you are, he'll hear you. You turn to him, he'll turn to you. You draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. That's how it was with me. Right where I was, he found me. Right where I was at that time. I didn't like uh, repent, become a wonderful person, live my life in, in perfect holiness. And then God said... Okay, I see you're trying pretty hard. You're doing pretty good. Okay. No, and I know some of you think that way. It's, no, no. Uh, repentance is always, I, I, like on a, about a daily basis, several times a week, let's say. I find myself in a place where I have to. Like, okay, that wasn't quite right. And it's not like dramatically, oh, I was evil, Lord, I'm so sorry. Oh, it's, it's more like, that was dumb. Lord, help me not make those stupid choices. What's wrong with me anyway? I should know better than that. And that's repentance. And he meets me where I am. He says, come on, we got places to go. We got things to do. We, got, we want to hang out. I want to bless you. I want to work in your life. I want to teach you some things. He's so good. I don't think people understand that. Um... He's a merciful God. So, so what is he? A consuming fire, merciful God. It's up to us. I'm be, I'm be obedient. Um, 
I, I tell you, my dad, I, I feared him and loved him. The one that kind of was the most prevalent is, well, how was I behaving at the time? If I just won a, some competition in school, a spelling bee or something, and my, my mom said, wait till your father gets home, that was a good thing. But if I just acted out and I disrespected her or said something really bad or did something really bad and she said, wait till your father gets home, that wasn't such a good thing. It was really kind of on me, how I was behaving at the time. So he is a consuming fire. He is a jealous God and he is a merciful God who will not forsake you or destroy you or forget the covenant that he has. For ask now... In the days that are past, which were before thee, since the day that God created man upon the earth, and asked from the one side of heaven unto the other whether there hath been any such thing as this great thing uh, is or hath been heard like it. Did ever God hear the voice? Did ever people hear the voice of God speaking out of the midst of the fire as thou hast heard and live? Or has God essayed to go and take him a nation from the midst of another nation by temptations, by signs, and by wonders, and by war, and by a mighty hand, and by an outstretched arm? Uh, and by great terrors, according to all that the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes. Has that ever happened before? Go ahead and ask. Check with all the heathens. See if that ever happened before. You know, the Syrian god, Dagon or whatever. Yeah, Dagon came and he saved us. Never happened before. Did they stand at a mountain like Horeb and Dagon give them all there? Or any other of the gods, Molech or, or any, just Baal. Did it, remember they were dancing before Baal and cutting themselves and shouting out. What happened? Nothing happened. That's the point. And Elijah said, Lord, Show them who you are. And the fire from God fell and consumed the, the sacrifice on the altar. And did anyone ever hear the voice of God? Because so, I, I, I see sometimes people struggling with the faith. Oh, if God would just speak to me. If he spoke to you audibly, you might not like that. Because when he was on Sinai saying the law, the people were all like, ah, Moses, tell him, don't speak to us. Tell him to speak to you, and then you come to speak to us. If there's 11 uh, commandments, we're all going to have a heart attack. You, you tell him to speak to you. It's never happened before. God's never been close. He's never been among his people. He's never uh, brought a people like out of Egypt through like the Red Sea on dry ground as the water split and there were a wall on both sides. Has that ever happened before? Salvation. Has that ever happened before? Has there ever been a people, has God essayed to go and take him a nation from the midst of another nation? Has that ever happened before? It's happened in salvation. But it's not one nation. It's the whole world. Unto thee it was showed that thou mightest know that the Lord, he is God. There is none else beside him. Out of the heaven he hath made thee to hear his voice, that he might instruct thee. And upon earth he hath showed thee his great fire, and thou heardest his words out of the midst of the fire. Because he loved thy fathers. Wait, what? Think what it's saying. Okay, Genesis, does it talk about God's love for Man. Oh, really? Not, that I, not a verse that I know about. Yeah, you can imply some things. God, every day, hung out with Adam in the midst of Eden. In the cool of the day, God showed up. And he hung out with Adam and Eve. That kind of presupposes a loving relationship, but doesn't say it. In Exodus, he saved them 
from out of Egypt, does that presuppose love? I think so too, but does it say it? It does not. Leviticus? No. Numbers? No. Deuteronomy? Here we are. We find out that God saved them because he loved them. Because he loved thy fathers, therefore he chose their seed after them and brought thee out of this, in his sight with his mighty power out of Egypt. It's love. God is love. 1 John 4 tells us. I think that's amazing. I don't think we, uh, we know that enough or appreciate it enough or We, we don't, certainly don't understand it. You know, growing up, uh, you know, love was predicated upon doing really good, or it seemed to be. When I did really good in school, the teachers heaped praise upon me, and when I did really poor, I was, it was reported, and I was in trouble. And, you know, and, and you, you, know, you hang out in the, the playground, and if you do good, playing kickball, or, you know, you, your teammates love you if you... You know, do poorly, make outs every time. They don't love you. And everything's kind of like uh, performance-based. You know, and you get out of school and you go into the, like, in the Marine Corps. And the drone instructors don't praise you for anything. But they, uh, you know, they will acknowledge if you're the fastest in the squadron or the best shooter or this or that. Everything's predicated upon performance. Love and acceptance in society is predicated upon performance. And here's God. I love you. Oh, I'll try to do better. No, 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 no. I love you. Why? I love you because I love you. We, we don't know what to do with this. We've never had love like this. I totally love you. I couldn't love you anymore. I wouldn't love you any less. Yeah, I know I'm having a real bad spell and I've been reading my Bible like I should and I've been sending up a storm. And so he loves us less. No. Well, he takes us over on his knee and spanks us sometimes. I, uh, let me tell you, I can tell you some, I can show you some scars. Me and him been like around, the, like I say, behind the woodshed. That's called love. If he didn't, if he didn't care, he'd be indifferent. He'd let me go my own way. He wouldn't care. He doesn't let me go my own way. Why? He loves me. He loves you. I, that's wonderful news. I, I don't care what you've been doing lately. I don't care how bad your Christian life's been. He loves you. He, you oh, you want your life blessed? Well, that's just repentance. That's all that is. Uh, he loved your fathers. Drive all nations from... There's only three more verses. Verses hang with me. Uh, he... he, he took you out of Egypt to drive out nations from before thee, greater and mightier than thou art, to bring thee in and give thee their land for an inheritance as it is to this day. Uh, he is bringing us into our promised land. And there are giants there of discouragement, of, uh, of, of, of bitterness, of fear. Uh, they're demonic spirits. Okay, we're not, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. A demon's stronger than you or weaker than you. Stronger. Stronger. Okay? You're going to uh, inherit uh, your promised land, roll up your sleeves, redouble your efforts? No. <laughs> Are you going to? In Christ. 
with his strength. That's how he did it the first time. They leaned in hard on God, and he fought their battles. Was there ever a doubt whether they would be victorious or not? Only when they weren't obedient to him. To drive out nations before the greater and mighty. He knows that they're giants. He knows that his people aren't. God's a giant killer. Know therefore this day and consider in thine heart that the Lord, he is God in heaven above and upon the earth beneath. There is none else. He is the God over the giants in our lives. That's what we're going to have to understand sooner or later. And the sooner we get it, Listen, we live a Christian life and we never understand the power that he has over our lives. We never, we never look to him for, we just, I, Lord, I don't have to do whatever it is that has got us pinned down. Satan knows how to be Satan. He knows how to discourage. He knows how to uh, have our lives. Uh, I can list a whole lot of things that he's got us to stop us from inheriting our inheritance. He knows how to do that. Anytime you want to inherit God says, come on, let's go. It's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. Oh, it's going to be hard. Oh, it's going to be way fun. The Lord, he is God in heaven above. Nobody doubts that. And upon the earth beneath. There is none else. Now, that's my, uh, one of the reasons I'm not so discouraged. Oh, well, look at this and look at this and look at it. And so it's all going sideways. And it's, God's God. He's an abdicated the throne. I'm telling you, he hasn't. He'll tell you he hasn't if you listen. Thou shalt keep therefore his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee this day. Why? Because we'll get to heaven. No, you don't get to heaven by keeping commandments. That it may go well with thee. If I never lie, and people understand that my word is my word, and I'm a man of truth, that, that's better than if they're always thinking, no, oh, Adam, every time I talk to him, I've got to sort through what's true, what's not, what's hyperbole, what's pure out lies. No, no. To be truthful, it, your life goes better. To be faithful, your life goes better. To be trustworthy, your life goes better. To be above suspicion, to live your life in such a way that people aren't... No, that it may go well with thee, and with thy children after thee, because I want to live in such a way that my children can emulate me and have good marriage, good work ethic, good uh, hygiene, good whatever. I, I want to I lead my life. I want to be an example to the ones who come after me. And God wants that too. It says so right here. I command this day, that it may go well with thee and with thy children after thee, and that they, thou mayest prolong thy days upon the earth, which the Lord thy God giveth thee forever. We already talked about it. You live ten years on an average longer than everybody else. Why? <laughs> You're doing what God's basically told us to do, how to live life. He's got a, a book on, look, at this is what marriage looks like. This is what relationships are predicated upon. This is what relationships look like. This is what friendship looks like. This is what work should be about. This is what, and as we apply with wisdom these principles to our life, we meet with success. We try to do it our own way. What happens? Hey, I know good from evil. I ate, I ate of the apple, or the, the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. 
I know, I know what's right and I don't know what's wrong. I even know better than God knows. Who does he think he is telling, telling me that my lifestyle is wrong? And what happens? America in 2022 happens. I say, I wish I had an illustration I could... Il no, we know. I mean, we see. We have eyes. We understand. People don't obey God. Chaos. Chaos. We don't know how to do money right. We don't know how to do relationships right. We don't know how to do anything right. Let's join together and let's rebel against God. He ain't going to tell us what to do. God says, eh, I can judge individually. I can judge on the group basis. It's all the same to me. It says, though hand join in hand, uh, you're not going to have success rebelling against God. So you find someone who says, ah, God, he's a tyrant, he's this, he's that. It's easy to find somebody who's in rebellion against God, and you can bolster your arguments, but it doesn't matter. You're going to stand before him. But you know what? I, I, I don't worry about that so much as I think about this. You're robbing yourself. God is good. He's a good, good father. He wants to bless. He wants to give you success. He wants to give you prosperity in life. He wants to show you and give you and bless you and give you longevity. And he's, all the rules, I, okay, I know my time's gone. One more point. It's a big yard. Go out there, swing in the tree, climb, run, do, uh, swim in the stream, just go out there and jump on the trampoline. It's my big, big yard. Oh, it's got a fence. On the other side is traffic. Don't play in the traffic. It won't go. What dad wouldn't say that? So he has rules to keep us, what, all penned in? No, to keep us safe. Don't have indiscriminate sex with a multiplicity of partners. I wouldn't two-time you. Don't two-time your spouse. Don't be like that. I wouldn't lie to you. That's why you shouldn't lie. I wouldn't take what's yours. That's why you shouldn't steal. We're reflecting the, 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 the and who is here to say stealing is good? Who here is saying, I think cheating on your spouse is a really good idea. I mean, he's asking us to do things that are, we should know that. We should, we should do anyway. All right, that's all I've got to say. Now, take these things to heart. When, as we inherit our inheritances, we, we're going to have to figure out relationships and worship and obedience to the will of God, to the, to the voice of God, to the, to the words of God. Okay, if our worship leaders would come at this time and we could stand and we will pray. Father, I hope this has come across the right way. I don't want people to think that, you know, you're a legalistic. The rules you give us are far good. Not because you're a rule God, because you're a good father. And you, 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 if we behave, Lord, it'll keep us out of a lot of mischief, a lot of bad relationships. And Lord, we have prosperity in every venue of our life as we apply your principles. Give us real wisdom, Lord. Give us a heart to follow the things that you want for us, Lord. The, the, the many blessings you want for us. Now may the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen.